Welcome to KiteLine, a weekly radio program from WFHB that focuses on issues in the prison system and beyond. Behind the prison walls, a message is called a kite. Whispered words, a note passed hand to hand, a request submitted to the guards for medical care. Illicit or not, sending a kite means trusting that other people will bear it farther along until it reaches its destination. Here on KiteLine, we hope to share these words across the prison walls. Before starting with this week's theme, we wanted to share some prison-related news and announcements. We've received word that Greg Curry has been moved to a hospital bed due to serious weight loss he has suffered while on hunger strike. Greg is on hunger strike to protest targeted harassment he has suffered at the hands of Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction Guards and to demand being released back into general population from solitary. Greg was first singled out in 1993 due to his alleged participation in the historic Lucasville prison uprising. He's been identified as a political prisoner since that time and has spoken out in solidarity with other prisoners from the uprising. He's now being held at Toledo Correctional Institution, where his mail is being withheld and he has been the victim of harassment as well as a targeted sting operation. Greg's supporters request that people call and express concern about Greg's demands and hunger strike to ODRC's chief legal counsel, Stephen Gray, at 614-752-1765. This week, we return to our conversation between Baye Sylvester and Focus Initiative's Jacques Huerta. Both formerly incarcerated in Indiana, they described the circumstances that brought them to prison in a previous episode. In this segment, they talk about the way the prison system strips people of their humanity and the struggle to retain one's sense of self. Here they are. We should be glad that prisoners are raising their level of consciousness, especially those who are coming from oppressed communities. In Indianapolis, they had 271 murders this year, I think. Mm -hmm. What percentage of that there was black? Want me to tell you? Yeah. Over 90%. Over 90%. In Chicago, they had 681 murders, or 781 murders. The major over six hundred of those their murders was 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 black men and women. The majority of them at the hands of black men and women. Right. This social oppression, this constant, right. you know, trauma that you can't escape. You know, it breeds. Now the system we call the system when they doing things like this, we call it genocide. But when one starts to annihilate themselves because of the unrelinquishing of the oppression disowners, then that's fratricide from the root word fraternal. Mm-hmm. You brother know, killing brother. Yeah, and so we we want to say that that um, you know we live in the United States, the most technologically advanced, most richest country in the world. Yeah. And it also has the largest prison population in the world. It also has lied at the, in front of the United Nations in saying that they hold no political prisoners. Under Jimmy Carter, you had Andrew Young. He was the ambassador to the, to the UN at the time. And Jaleel Mutakin, same name was, uh, government name was Anthony Bottoms. He, was, he went to, to the joint with Albert New Washington and the rest of them. Um, anyway, 
So he had presented the UN, and someone there, a French guy, challenged Andrew Young, are you holding political prisoners? It was a hot mic. He said, yeah, we probably got 7,000 of them. How long do you think he stayed ambassador? <laughs> he had to step down soon after. But that's the reality of it. Now, we can talk about prisoners of consciousness, who, you know, you had the, 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 the little old ladies and stuff who went to the silos because they was anti-nuclear, you know, from the Prayer Fire Organizing Committee. We got people now today who challenge this government who can be locked up, and they could easily wind up in one of these irrepressive places. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a political prisoner. Definitely. You know, liberation. When we talk about liberation, we like to say liberation in our lifetime. You know, that is something that people may say, well, that's unrealistic. And it probably, I probably would never see liberation. But I never thought that I would see Obama in the White House. Mm -hmm. I never thought that I would see the breakup of the Soviet Union, but it happened. I, right. You know, I know we, in this state, we got political prisoners who have served more time than Nelson Mandela. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, for the same thing, challenging oppression. You know, but the left in this country, you know, and I'm going to take a jab at it right now, likes to, there's in certain parts of it, you know, they like to declare what's war. Right. You know, they'll say that, that what's going on in the Ukraine and before then, them folks are being oppressed, but you got some stuff that's going on right here. Right. Where are you at on that? Right. Where are you at on that? Right. You that, know? that is the funny thing because it seems like, you know, it seems like, people try to act as if it doesn't exist or it, that it doesn't matter. One of the things that's been most baffling to me is to hear all these politicians of today, like like Biden himself, the president of the United States, and, 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 and Bill Clinton and others of the like, come out and say, yes, we dropped the ball when it came to the drug, war on drugs, the criminal uh, justice system, the three strikes you're out, we missed it. We messed up. I mean, I've heard them say this mm -hmm. with my own ears. And then I don't see any type of grouping put together uh, or any head of a cabinet to address these issues that they say they've messed up on for the past 30 years, you know? So, I mean, I, it doesn't even make sense to me. Like, like even if, if, if I work at... Pizza Hut, and I mess up your pizza. <laughs> I gotta take it back, <laughs> mm -hmm. and I gotta redo it all over again, and, and and make up for my wrong. And that's working at Domino's. Not I'm talking about like the United States government. You have affected so many people's lives in such a negative way, and divided families, and and, and taken vitality from human beings, and you and, and you admit it. Mm -hmm. And then you don't do nothing. Well, that's amazing. The audacity, for, for me, the arrogance. You is, know, it's for incredible. me, for me, it's, it's not so amazing. I'm gonna tell you why. It's because, you know, whether Democrat or Republican, you know, the, the Senate or the House, they're two heads of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You know, and the illegality of the U.S. government. I don't care if it has been. 400 years, 300 years, what, 1976 was um, the centennial or whatever they yeah. call it, 20 years. Yeah. And so I don't care how long it's been. You know, this country was founded upon somebody coming over here and making somebody else do something against their will. Mm -hmm. 
you know, this is a continuation of that there. Right. In the history of mankind before then, we had never had any people, any kingdom, any country, any tribe go and usurp control over a set of people and then go way off somewhere else and get another people to bring them over there and subjugate them. Wow. You know, when you look at this here, this is a construct. This was not something that organically happened where people, indigenous people, was fighting with one another because when indigenous people from the same land fight with one another, if I win, then I recognize the legitimacy of you and you, you, we all come in together some kind of way. That's true. You know, that's why it's such a struggle over here. You know, that's why Donald Trump can get up and he can use the buzzwords, make America great again. For some people, they know that that goes all the way back to the, uh, the naturalization process in this country way, way back when, when they said, what constitutes white? You're not Polish. You don't put Polish on, you're gonna put white on there. You're gonna put, you're gonna put them black. And even, because people in district service and folks back then was getting together and they were challenging landowners. And they were like, oh, we can't have this here. So what we'll do, all right, white people, we're gonna put you right here, at least you'll be above them. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so when they talk about these three things, we have to be clear on this here stuff. You know, we have to be clear on it. I don't care how many Obamas they get in there. I don't care how many Michael Jordans can dunk the ball and make billions of dollars. It doesn't change the, our relationship with this government. The native people of this country are the U.S. colonialism is a settler colonialism. That is set. They came over and settled on somebody else's land. Our relationship to it, as black folks, we represent a domestic colony. It's never changed. And the fact that it's been so lucrative means that they can sit back and say, yeah, she can be on the Supreme Court. He can own that company. You can live next door to me if you can afford it, this and that, that. <laughs> but when, when all hell breaks loose, we'll find out who's who and what's what. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yes, and so sir. as students of history, as students of law, you know, these things are codified in law, you know, and so we have to be very discerning about how we place ourselves, you know, when we, when we move past getting that sheepskin and stuff and where we're going to be at. You know, of course, if you want to practice law, practice law, you know, but as a human being, don't give up your sense of humanity. Boy. You know? Boy. I mean, you know, I've seen it. We all know about the Stockholm syndromes. We know about how when people come into institutions or someone gets kidnapped, you know, and that eventually you start identifying with your perpetrator or your, you know, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Well, they did a study out there in, um, what was it, in, when they closed Alcatraz mm-hmm. and they had them folks go in there, just everyday people. Stanford. The Stanford experiment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And those same business suits, Monday through Friday wearing people who swore up and down, I'm just a loving, everyday, good person, mm-hmm. found themselves acting out mm-hmm. in very oppressive ways, right. you know? And so these are things that the, in, the, in the annals of history and in the pages that we like to turn to get to that part right. that we like. Right. But we got to play this tape all the way back. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't play this tape as long as it sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just want to say this here is that my experience in the Indiana Department of Correction was one that I had to take control over saving myself, my sanity, my sanity. 
and to save my humanity because I did, did not want to be regurgitated and come back out here with that predator-prey type of mentality. Right. You know, because most often that predator-prey type of mentality, it, it hurts and harms those people the closest to you. Definitely. My neighbor, the person around the street, I didn't know that was your nephew, man. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. Yeah, my son killed your nephew or this and that, all that other kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. We right here. Yeah. You know, we right here. Yeah. And we have to stop this notion of, of being able to pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, well, that, don't be, that's not me, but is you speaking out against that? Right. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, you know, all those things that you're saying definitely resonates with me, mm -hmm. you know, directly, because uh, after doing over 10 years in prison is when I came to the conclusion that exactly like you say the whole place is set up to strip me trick me into being stripped of my humanity you know which is the one number one main thing that anybody needs just to be a good caring considerate person you know so if i'm having whatever issues that i'm having outside here with drugs or with heartbreak or with uh, you know, my family issues, whatever it is that has me in this mental space that has me engaged in a way that causes me to lose my freedom. The last thing that anybody should be doing is convincing me that I'm no longer a human being. <laughs> because those are the issues that I'm grappling with that led me in the situation that I'm currently in. So you multiply that, 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 that type of mentality by you know stripping me naked changing my name uh um speaking downwardly to me constantly uh giving me food that you would kick away from your dog <laughs> you know all these different things so to go through that and then i finally realized they they're trying to take my humanity you know and and a lot of things that you said about um uh, it's it's hard like 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 so so many people they don't put people in mental institutions anymore they put them in prison people who have serious mental conditions I, we see them all the time guys talking to themselves uh creating these whole fantasy worlds there was this one guy we used to call chewy because it was pieces of his skin on his arms that he would be so frantically anxious and nervous he would eat himself you know and he would talk to people who weren't there. He would curse a lot, you know, like a lot of schizophrenics do. Mm -hmm. Officers would come in. But just a person who's sick, not a person who's bad, a person who's sick. And officers would come in, not knowing this individual, not taking time to find out an individual's story. But he might say something or do something that is out of character. And us, as the guys who live around him, because we've been forced to live under these conditions, we know what he's about. And we tell the officer, hey, you know, dude ain't right. You know, he, he, he was just saying that he used to be Jesus, but he gave it up because now he's on something else or something like that. And then he says something. The officer grabbed him. I don't care what he is. I don't care who he is. I don't care what's wrong with him. And then they start handling him, beating him grabbing them you know sometimes they outright beat you sometimes they act like they're not but they choking you you know 
and they're saying don't move quit moving and you see you can't move you know but you try to tell them how this individual isn't mentally there and it doesn't matter and next thing you know you're seeing this guy get assaulted so then here i am you know so now i have a decision i'm watching a human being getting beaten and it's affecting me you know and it's bothering me so what do i do if i take a step i might as well be assaulting them because now they're coming at me with full force you know so if i leave it alone and, and allow this to take place you know then you're dealing with that this guy just got beat up 10 feet away from you when he was not in the wrong you know he was miscategorized he should not be here he didn't do anything wrong to deserve the treatment that he's given what he's needing is help so i have to quench this emotion that i have you know when i want to assist and i'm trying to i'm saying hey you can't do this man this dude's messed up man you ain't got to do him like that you shut up or we'll be over there you know okay now you now you're threatening me you know all these things you're dealing with and i just want to go home i just want to get out of here i just want to go home but i'm dealing with all this and all this stuff is traumatic you don't just get up and walk away you know this stuff stays with you yeah so the worst thing and i don't understand but i do understand like you say but the worst mm -hmm. thing that i would want even if i've never been to prison my whole life don't treat them like animals in there don't do that you know because what you're going to do is they're going to be there getting that treatment for years then they're going to come out and they're coming right back to my neighborhood you know they're coming right back to the gas station i go to every day right back to my grocery store right back to my community right down the street from me so what are you doing as this criminal justice system for the community if you're trying to breed people who are inhumane you know who who are at, who 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 will act in a way that's inhuman you're breeding these people you know and it's an old saying you go in for shoplifting and you're coming out knowing how to cook meth you know knowing knowing what uh knowing more about weapons you know knowing more about get, get, knowing how to fight now because you've been fighting for the past two years mm -hmm. now you're a good fighter you know now you're angry now your tolerance level is zero you know so now somebody who's walking down the street who's having a bad day hey man can you watch where you're going but this guy's been treated inhumanely for years what he's gonna say he's he's not gonna realize that this dude's just being a jerk and he's needing his moment go ahead about your business he might be confrontational who the hell you think you're talking to dude i'll be in your head <laughs> i'll go inside your head right now you know they are creating these types of situations where they try to take they're making a bad situation much much worse you know but we are running out of time i i but i do want you to get to these couple of questions for mm -hmm. me because you were saying about and i like what you said about there needs to be certain groups and classes that take place in you know especially urban neighborhoods you know more than the liquor stores out there mm -hmm. just classes where people can talk what do you think that that uh, we in the community need to do ourselves to address this situation and make this situation better. Well, first and foremost, we have to recognize 
that mass incarceration in and of itself is not accidental. Right. It's by design, you know? And as such, you know, be, because it's state dollars, federal dollars being used, it's, it's people in offices making these decisions, appointing wards and heads of Department of Corrections. We got to get out in front. We got to petition, you know, we got to march, we got to stand in front, and the voices got to be heard, and then it has to translate to the ballot, okay? But it has to be a concerted effort, you know, because the prison system is broken, it's not working to the benefit of the people, and that works well for those in, in, in place, because capitalism cannot survive when it's a bunch of chaos. If the cities is burning and so on and so forth, it, it starts to implode on itself because they're losing money. Right. Okay, they're losing money. But we have to be, be, have, be stand on the side of what's, what's honest and right. And so we need to say, okay, look, these, you got prisons with three and 4,000 people in them. You got prisons with people in there who couldn't pay a child support, who couldn't pay tickets and stuff. They don't need to be in prison. They don't need to be that. When we talk about abolishing prison, we're not talking about wholeheartedly. Well, I want to see everybody released, free all the political prisoners. But in terms of real, put some thought into this here. You know, we have to say, okay, turn it over and let us decide because they weren't justly placed there. And so when we talk about abolition, we're talking about abolition in the way it's set up now mm -hmm. and by those who are in control of it. Mm -hmm. You know, an illegitimate government who has said what is legal and what's going to be enforced and if who can pay, because just because you got some money, that, that notion that you can buy your way out of something is not true anymore. The fact that you have a Derek Chauvin kneel on a man's neck like he did and other incidents of just indifference, that's because it's a culture. Right. And they're used to people not doing anything. Exactly. You know, but if you, if you really want to know the truth about it, and I'll take a, a chance at this here, is to say this here. Listen, you know, if something like that happens, citizens have a right to arrest, okay? That don't mean I can just arrest you. I don't care if you is wearing a uniform. If you violating somebody's rights, you dehumanizing somebody, then my community has a right to arm itself and confront you and say, stop it. You know what I'm saying? And say, stop it. We're not at that level yet. Mm -hmm. You know, there's some incidents with things going on. But the thing of the matter is that we can't think there's going to be business as usual forever. Right. It cannot be that way. Right. It cannot be that way. You're going to run out of space. You're going to have to spend all your money. Almost every city now, medium and large city in this country, the largest expenditure of tax dollars is on public safety. They call it public safety. Let's look into that. Let's see. Is it really? Is it really public safety? You know, by definition, that means more police, more Gustavo-type tactics coming in there, you know, looking like you're ready for Star Wars or something, intimidating people. You know, when they say disinvest or defund the police. I mean, all that rhetoric, you know, that came behind that there because it wasn't followed up with we need to reappropriate this money better. You see what I'm saying? And the, the media in the service of those in charge took, oh, they want y'all to just do this. They want y'all to just don't have no police and this and that there and stuff. I mean, come on now. You can go back. I don't care how far you go back in civilization. There was always somebody to protect somebody. 
you know, and we have to be clear on these things. And and just because we we say, yeah, open these doors and let these prisons out, if you want to have a discussion about that, we can have a discussion about that. But wait until we turn our back and go and just having buzzwords, those idiots, this, that, and the other, who's going to go for that, this? We can talk about it. We can talk about what we mean. We can talk about the process. Right. See, with Donald Trump, what did he say? You know, he want to free all his friends. Oh, they should have never been in there anyway. What's the <laughs> difference in me saying all these youngsters who was caught up in this his system because they were, they were surplus labor? Surplus labor. See, that's it's a, a thing called surplus labor too. You know, surplus labor. And that's where the mass incarceration comes in at. Because these youngsters... And other people too, they still are subjected to Madison Avenue ads and want to, you know, yeah. feel human, you know, feel good about themselves. They're going to do something, but we ain't, we ain't allowing them over here. See, it used to be doing the, um, the GI Bill and stuff, they created that there to build people up, you know, home ownership. And we know the home ownership is usually to stability. That's how you get you some, you know, your most, your biggest investment. But look at all the people that was locked out. Mm -hmm. And then when those black folks and stuff and those Latinos started crying and hollering about, what about us? They said, okay, you can buy some houses. And when they bought the houses, the business on the corner moved. Mm -hmm. The neighbors moved. So now I bought this house for 40000 Now you're telling me it's only worth twenty because my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And that's systematic. That was intentional. Mm -hmm. That's intentional. Mm -hmm. See? You know, we have to be clear on this and stuff. And so when we, when we move forward in our lives, I don't care if it's as a therapist, if it's as a business owner or whatever, you know, you do not have to sell your soul or give up your humanity. That's right. a choice. Right. That's a choice. And when you find people doing it, it's by choice. Mm -hmm. You know? Right. right. Yes, sir. Just one more thing before we turn it over and have uh, take people's questions. What, more than anything, a message that you want them to leave here with and take with them, you know, as they leave out of this room and go back to their own lives? Well, first and foremost, since we're here, we're talking about um, political prisoners, liberation and consciousness and stuff, is that you don't have to be on the side of where we at in terms of abolish prisons, open the doors, let's change the system, so on and so forth. But you do have a moral right to say, well, okay, if someone was justly convicted or whatever you want to call it, they're there. That's the punishment, not the dehumanization of the people when they get there, not the, 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 the oppression that comes behind them, one right. hum humanity inside. Right. You know, so stand up to that, question things, you know. And when you hear about something going on, you know, like this here, you know, pass the word. Pass the word. Right. Great. Build. Great. Great. I got a lot of out, of out of this one myself, actually. You know, you uh you brought back a lot of memories for me, you know. Stuff that I've been trying to push out, you know, but I it does need to be refreshed so it could be constantly addressed until something um comes out in a positive way that brings about some type of significant change. You know. We definitely very much appreciate you coming here and speaking to us today, Mr. Sylvester, and um, give you a round of applause. Really thank you for your time.
This conversation was part of the Prisoners Speak Out series, hosted by IDOC Watch and Focus Initiatives. We'll have links to our previous segments of this conversation on our website, kitelineradio.org. This has been KiteLine. You can write us at KiteLine Radio, P.O. Box 2422, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402, or KiteLine at WFHB.org. You can follow KiteLine Radio on all social media platforms. Please check out our new searchable website with hundreds of archived shows at KiteLineRadio.org. KiteLine is intended as a means of communication between people across prison walls. KiteLine, WFHB, or any affiliates airing this program are not responsible for the opinions expressed on the show. Thank you for listening.